You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. We live. This is Locked On Hornets, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. You can check us out all on Twitter, at Walker Mail, at Not of the Scribe, and at Doug Branson LOH. You can find the show handle on most social media platforms at Locked On Hornets. We also have a special guest today. I told you that we'd have a special guest today. We delivered. Thank you to Doug. Some excellent producing and has come up with some excellent imaging that we'll present here in a second as well. Thank you. We'll head to the guest line now and welcome at the hives, Jonathan DeLong. Jonathan, how are you doing, man? I'm doing well. I appreciate being a, considered a special guest. You are a special guest. See, uh, normally, I just say we'll have a guest on, but because it's Jonathan DeLong, it's a special oh, guest. Wow. We also have some special segments for you as well. So because we do have Jonathan DeLong on with us, we're going to do DeLong Division here today. We're going to have a couple of different bites that he's got for you, a couple of different nuggets some on some information. See, Wait, information? Hold up. What? Yeah, we, we, we're So apparently, we don't provide enough stats. There needs to be more information that we provide that is statistical. We are not a very numbers-based show. We are able to provide some numbers sometime, but that's why we have DeLong Division on with us. We're that's gonna- right. Yeah, we've called in a ringer from AtTheHive.com. Very smart writers over there, DeLong being one of them. He's going to you know, help us uh, get up off our math. We need to. Math is... What's that? Where you going? <laughs> it's a wonderful thing. <laughs> where were you quoting School of Rock there? Where I didn't know where you were going to go with that. I don't know where I was going either. You <laughs> said math is, and all right, you had us at the edge of our seats. We'll talk about that Cavs victory that took place for the Charlotte Hornets last night as well. It was a scary first quarter, and the second quarter they started to get things a little bit together, and then eventually they would go on to win. Second half performance much better than what they gave us in that first quarter. And Kemba finally got out of a slump. Oh for seven star for Kimba at one point you're starting to worry at least I am very much so but now Kimba it looks like that layup that he hit finally got him going Jeremy Lamb MKG they played very well DNPCD from Malik Monk we'll get into all of that today but I think what better way to start off this particular podcast than with our first nugget of DeLong Division Doug set us up oh yeah yeah definitely uh I definitely have some imaging for this hold on one second just pull it up no problem okay we're patient time Perfect. That's what, that's what excellent. Hell, Doug? That, no, that's that's excellent producing. Doug has been hard at work in this show. Thank you. So, Jonathan, what you got for us, man? Well, it's it, it comes goes right along with what you were just talking about with Kemba. Um, this is pretty interesting. So, last year, Kemba from November twenty third and until December eighteenth, averaged nineteen points, three point six rebounds, five point seven assists, shot thirty seven point six percent from the field. 25.6% from the three-point line. This year, Kimba, from November 23rd through December 18th, the day before the Cavs game, 19.4 points, 4.8 rebounds, 6.3 assists, 34% from the field, 26% from three. Basically the exact same. DeLong division, man. Exact, last, it's oh. exactly what's going on, the same exact thing that happened last year. Yep, and then from this date on, last year, uh, he shot 44% from the field and 40% from three. 
I'm like forty percent from three over the last or the next ten games from this day forward. So that's our comfort stat. We needed some comforting because Kemba finally broke out of it at least last night. But it's still obviously just one game. You're not out of the woods of this slump yet. Although he did finally have a good game. But Doug, we've talked about this, and I think you first brought it up when we were on the road over at the Essex Home Studios, where you discussed that it was a very similar stat line that he gave us for the month of December. And Jonathan mentioning that it actually started maybe a week before. But this is the same thing that happened to Kemba just last season and for some reason this time of year the numbers just start to fade a little bit yeah it's not the most wonderful time of the year for Kemba Walker and we (laughs) haven't really gotten any kind of explanation other than he's just he's missing shots I mean he he admits there is no other explanation I mean maybe he enjoys a little bit too much Thanksgiving turkey I don't know maybe it's something along the lines of he's getting dive into the eggnog too early is that what happens yeah I don't blame him if he did either if I had to carry my teammates for like the first month and a half I'd dive into the eggnog a little early too and there's nothing that you can see from Kimba at least that looks off to him as far as mechanically as far as him playing the game differently I mean maybe there were times where he was a little bit passive after a long night of missing shots I mean, he would assist a little bit more but for the most part it looked like Kimba was playing his same game and Kimba just couldn't get the shots to go last night after the game in that interview Ashley Shamity making her first appearance as the sideline reporter by the way Ashley asked Kimba what happened at halftime how did you guys get it turned around he said we had a heart-to-heart Said, you know, I had a couple of those bad games that I had. They carried over the New York Knicks game, the Los Angeles Lakers game. They carried over for me, and we just didn't come out ready to play. We had a heart to heart, is what he used. And he said, I finally got some things to go. And from then on, we started to play better basketball. And I like how Dell Curry mentioned during the broadcast uh, that he thought Kimba may have been uh, basically complaining about some of the officiating a That's little right. too much. And I think what he was commenting on there is that it seemed like, and it seemed like for the past few weeks, that Kimba has been in his own head a little bit and been very frustrated by missing some of these shots, and it was affecting his defense as well. And so, you know, these these things tend to cycle and spiral, and it's good to see in that second half that he was able to get out of it. Jonathan, have you noticed anything from Kimba? I mean, obviously the stats are eerily similar to what happened last year, but have you noticed anything different in his play or how it's affected the team overall? I... I don't think there really has been. I just think kind of like what Doug said, he just seems like he's pressing a little bit. Like he's, he's getting to the line about one time less per game in December than he was in October, November. And I don't know if he's just playing differently or if he's being officiated differently or whatever, but he seems like he's trying too hard to get those calls to come back instead of just playing his game and letting it come to him. And he does seem to be a streaky player in general for his career and it's just one of the cold streaks now DeLong division one less time I love that that stat <laughs> nugget are we ready for another one beep, boop, 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 I was about to say beep, I want beep. the imaging press the button I wanted to see the button Doug, all right, do you have anything else for us Jonathan real quick we'll get oh, one I more got- DeLong division bite before we head to break what else do you have for us uh, I'll, it's a, I'll give you guys a little quiz um, do you guys know what real plus minus is yeah yes yes do you, do you know who the second best Hornet is behind Kimball Walker in Real Plus Minus? In Real Plus Minus, man, I don't know. If the Real Plus, I have no clue. I wouldn't even have a guess. I'm going to go something wild like Frank Kaminsky. Is it, that, that's actually probably a decent guess. What do you got for us, Jonathan? It's Marvin Williams. All right. Wow. Marvin Williams is second in Real Plus Minus. You guys know my love for Marvin. Like I 
watching him play, especially this, it was an awful October for him. Yes, it was. I mean, that, that shot was just not going much the same way that it wasn't going for Kimba in this month, basically since November 23rd, as Jonathan said to us. When Marvin was starting off, I mean, those those threes that weren't going in, it really affected the team. And the fact that he's playing a lot better here recently, I think the team defense overall is helped out by him. I think you've seen him really start to come into his own. In November, he shot over 40% from three. Yeah. This month, he's shooting over 40% from three. Uh, Marvin. 47%. I'm, I'm not surprised. That's insane, man. Like I'm not surprised that Marvin is was able to turn it around from what he got off to, what which was, again, it was just an awful start. Yeah, it's one of those things like, again, he's just a little bit older. He takes a little bit longer to get going, but it's like that old mower. You might have to crank it a couple of times <laughs> and then a couple extra times. And then once it gets going, it's going and it's going for the rest of the season. You get your entire lawn finished. I'm going to tell Marvin that Nada compared him to an old mower. An old lawn mower. What kind of brand you got for an old lawn mower? <laughs> I don't even know what brands that you would have. Husqvarna. <laughs> John Deere. An old John Deere. It's reliable, but sometimes <laughs> that's like your grandfather's John Deere, man. It got the job done back in the day. Still can, but you got to rev it up a couple more times. It's the season of giving. We're giving you daily Hornets talk in your podcast feed, and we need you to show your support by joining our Patreon page. For as little as $1 a month, just $1, you'll be supporting the content that you depend on. Patreon.com slash LOH. Again, that's Patreon.com slash LOH. It's Walker Mail. It's Jonathan DeLong. It's Nada Edwards. It's Doug Brand. So we got a full house for you here today here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. Did we like the Marco Bellinelli experiment here no. in Charlotte? Or are we glad that he's kind of gone? I, I, I'm one of those that's kind of glad he's gone. I, I, one of the, the only players that has blocked Locked On Hornets on Twitter. Did he block us? <laughs> yeah. He blocked us. Did we come at him for something? Or? So I may have said, and I didn't at him or anything like that, but I may have said that his defense on LeBron James at one point resembled that of a potted plant. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. I thought of that drop last night early in the game when watching Billy Hurd and Gomez play defense. Oh, no. I thought about I thought about tweeting you that Doug. I thought about tweeting that Billy Hernan Gomez's defense reminds me of that of a potted plant. Resembles that of a potted plant. Yes, yeah. yes, oh yes. Thank you. Yes, it does. It re- it resembles that absolutely. And I also thought I thought of that drop, and I thought of the video that we had of Billy Donovan in the finals with Oklahoma City, and Enos Cantor was on the team, mm. and the camera catches Billy looking over to his assistant coaches saying, "Mouthing can't play Cantor." Like I thought of Billy Hernan Gomez <laughs> oh, in that Jesus. situation. When I think about playoffs, my nipples get hurt. Right. I, I think about Billy Hernan Gomez. <laughs> I can't play, play can't play Cantor. Can't play Hernan Gomez, man. And James Borrego apparently felt the same thing. Can't so, win with him. Hernan Gomez goes out there for four minutes, just goes one. He gets a shots up. He goes one of three from the field. Does have a three point shot attempt in there, and that doesn't go. Just the two points. So then Billy enters the game. After that, it's Frank Kaminsky who enters the game. Not like that defense is all that much better. He plays four minutes, and besides those two guys, 
The next lowest amount of minutes for somebody that played was Miles Bridges at 14, but essentially you saw a seven-man rotation, maybe seven and a half with the amount of minutes that Miles Bridges got, and that's something that we haven't seen from James Borrego. This is a guy that has been a mad scientist. He has experimented with a lot of different lineups. He's liked to go a lot smaller than what we've seen Steve Clifford go, and he even mentioned in the post-game press conference last night, even mentioned Miles a little bit, that there was a lineup of Marvin, MKG, Miles Bridges, and even Nick Batum who was there and he really liked what he got from that particular lineup. Do you think that we see a shorter rotation going forward for the most part? Oh, I think so. I mean, they, they've got to figure out something to get more defense and, and more W's on the on the way to getting into the heart of their schedule that's only going to get tougher as time goes on. I don't think that they've had issues when they've gone small in terms of their front court rotation. I think it's when they've you know, paired Malik Monk with Kimball Walker or or just had Malik Monk out there for extended minutes that they've that they've struggled on defense. Well, and Borrego mentioned that the reason that he shortened the rotation was because they needed better defense out there. He mentioned that he's tired of giving up 30-point quarters. Yes. And it just so happens you look at Billy and Frank who play four minutes and you see Malik who doesn't play at all. Malik Monk gets a DNP and C, a DNP CD in this game, not. I, I, there are times where I've been able to defend Malik Monk, but if and that's the thing. If you're tired of giving up 30-point quarters, then you can't play Malik Monk. You can't play Frank Kamensky. You can't play Billy Hernan Gomez. You might not even be able to get away with Dwayne Bacon out there, which who I'm kind of surprised we didn't see because he's at least been able to guard his man at times. Now, the one thing I do worry about is how sustainable is this? Because at some point, you're going to need to go – Get one of those young guys because you're relying on guys like Marvin, who is older. Nick Batum just turned 30 this year. Kemba Walker has a lot of mileage on him already because he's had to carry so, so much. At some point, this is going to catch up with you. And I even forgot Tony Parker, who is known to have injury issues and who you're trying to make sure that he's standing up when it comes to August um, not not August, but he'll be standing up in August. But like standing up in April or May, there are things that are concerned. Like how sustainable is that kind of lineup, and is it possible that you can possibly even move forward with a seven man lineup, or does it even matter? There it is. Yeah, we're ready for some DeLong division. Jonathan, what you got for us, man? Well, I will touch on the Malik Monk thing. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but when I was pulling up the Marvin Williams stat. Um, both in the real plus minus and in b-ball indexes player impact plus minus which is a similar kind of stat Malik Monk is far and away the worst defensive player on the Hornets and one of the worst defensive players in the league that gets regular minutes which matches up with what we see you know I test wise absolutely and we we can go back the one game I think that sticks out maybe it's because Doug made such a big deal out of it but it was it was deservedly so about Dennis Schroeder just eviscerating Malik Monk. I mean, he was able yeah, to that get, resulted in a DNP CD. It, it did. It, Dennis Schroeder absolutely destroyed Malik, and Malik was was flabbergasted at what he was able to do out there offensively. Like He couldn't stop him, and so that was one reason. That's just one instance that we know of. The one game I felt like we saw a good effort on the other end was Minnesota. Minnesota was one time where he's actually to show you uh, was able to show you some defensive ability. But other than that, I mean, you know, DeLong goes by the numbers there and it goes with what you see out there on the court with your own eyes. Yeah, and it's good to see Borrego basically establishing some accountability. And we have I think we have to remember too, guys, that this is Borrego, not only his rookie season with the Hornets, but it's his first ever head coaching gig. And I think Borrego is going to be learning 
some lessons this season about uh, what he what he can and can't do with this Hornets team and uh, and and how accountable he has to hold these guys. Also, I agree, and I know that some uh, Rick Bennell, frequent guest on Tuesdays, brought up that he thought Borrego was enabling some of this behavior. No, he did. Defense. Yep, we mentioned this. Uh, we had him on today on the wake up call, and when Borrego. So, what was interesting in that post game press conference was you could hear Rick Bennell testing Borrego a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, when Borrego wanted to give this vague answer. Borrego said, you know, we, we just wanted to shore up the defense. We just decided that it would we decided that the rotation would be shorter. And Rick asked why. And James Borrego said, I just felt like that was the right move. And then Rick Bennell kind of going back at him saying, well, was there a particular reason? And then finally, Borrego kind of gave us a defensive line there where he mentioned that defense was the reason they did so. I mean, honestly, the thing is, though, Rick has a point, though. Because at some point, you're going to, and it goes back to my point of you're going to need these guys, but you can't necessarily say, okay, you're not going to play. We're going to go to a shorter rotation. And then they're going to, it's kind of like that line from Steve Harvey has from the Kings of Comedy. You're always going to come back to the mic. They're, you're going to have to come back to these guys because these guys are also too old. So if, you're gonna, if you cut them now, you're still going to enable them later at some point. Yeah, I think people and fans deserve some answers, especially after, look, that last Cavaliers game that they lost, they came out in the first and second quarter and didn't play well, and the Cavs shot the lights out, and they lost that game. So it was imperative for this team, especially after that embarrassing loss to Los Angeles, to come out of the gates with some some fire in the belly. <laughs> some, some big hearts. Yeah. They had a heart to heart. No, it was a lot of it was a lack of energy. And they didn't. The and I so I think, yeah, I think that that uh, fans deserve an answer from Borrego about why why they didn't and and why they were able to get things turned around in the second half. Jonathan, you do have something interesting on some of the lineups and how they differ from this year from last year, correct? It's it's well, we there's a lot of difference in lineups. I have some play style type things. Um, and I do want to mention, though, I do like the accountability in just we don't trot out the same lineups over and over and over again, regardless of their success. And I do think the way we play this year kind of uh, complements what we have. Um, this year, we're fifth in catch and shoot percentage. Last year, 17th. Wow. Uh, this year, we are the 14th most. So we're like middle of the road in how often we catch and shoot shots. Last year, we were 25th. So we're getting a lot more catch-and-shoot opportunities, and we're driving to the basket a lot more instead of posting up. Um, we have half as many non-Dwight Howard post-up shot attempts right. this year. Like, legit. Like, we think we had four per game last year, and it sounded like two shot attempts out of the post per game. And we're the best team in the league at scoring out of the post when we do post up. And so, yeah, I, immediately you think the lack of Dwight Howard would certainly help mm-hmm. that as well. And also, Borrego, he mentioned how much they wanted to get the assist numbers up, and you think mm-hmm. that would coincide with the catch-and-shoot numbers going up as well this season. And it seems like that is starting to get implemented here this year and having Borrego's thumbprint on this. Yeah, I mean, rarely rarely have they had problems generating offense. I mean, that right. to me, that Lakers game was the rare Hornets game that you saw where they really struggled to generate much offense. And so you can say that that – was probably due to you know some amount of fatigue there, but it's just been establishing any kind of defensive identity and, and drawing a line and saying, okay, we are going to take away this team's ability to do X. They just haven't been able to do that. They just let that they let the opposing team do whatever the opposing team wants to do, and and the Hornets hope that they can generate enough offense at the end of the game to come out as victors. And the one thing is, this is going to be, and I think we mentioned this earlier in the season. 
there was a point in time where this team, we just had to acknowledge that this team is going to have to defend with smoke and mirrors. You don't have guys that really can stay in front of their men. We've already gone over Cantor, or basically Cantor light in Billy Henry and Gomez. <laughs> right. We've already can't gone. Play yeah, exactly. Can't play Cantor. Can't play Billy either at this point. Frank is not a good defender of, uh, of his man. Bridges will lose his man at times and annoy you. Same with Jeremy Lamb. We've already gone over Malik Monk. The only guys that you trust to stay in front of their man at times are, let's see, Kemba, MKG, and Marvin. That's it. Like and, You're going to have to scheme your way to a good defense on this and team. And once again, you saw the impact of MKG playing excellent defense last night and also playing some pretty good offense last night for Michael Kidd-Gilchrist. Six of ten from the field. He had 12 points. He had eight rebounds, was doing well on the offensive side of the glass. How about six offensive rebounds for MKG last wow. night? Six of his eight. No Tristan. Came on the offensive end, no. And that certainly helped my MKG. And also just giving some love to Jeremy Lamb. Uh, Jeremy Lamb goes eight of sixteen. That guy has been rock solid ever since he got off to somewhat of a bad start as well. Like yes. you, you can count on Jeremy Lamb for the most part to provide some scoring for Th- you. That's been one of the nicer things is he's been one of the more reliable options when it comes to a secondary option on offense. And I've given him hell, and I thought that he would lose his starting spot at some point. And instead, he's come around and he's realized, hey, it's a contract year. I need to perform. I need to kick ass or else. And he's kicked ass. 12 rebounds for him as well, five assists, so overall, uh, all around, I should say, good game for Jeremy Lamb. And Jonathan, real quickly to you before we go to break, just mentioning guys like that, like MKG and Jeremy Lamb having some good games last night, Marvin Williams going for 18 points as well, is who do you think also has been so essential to this Hornets team? Has it been one of those two that I mentioned, or do you look somewhere like a Marvin who is second in, in uh, rated, um, excuse me, the plus minus, the real plus minus, <laughs> yeah, thank real you, plus minus, yeah. real plus minus. I think Marvin, Marvin and MKG definitely stand out to me as the guy that kind of connect everything on both ends of the court um there's just something about marvin williams being on the floor where it's almost like a calming presence like you know there's someone there he's going to be in the right place defensively he's going to give his all on both ends of the court he's going to knock down shots if they come to him he just kind of he shoots when he's supposed to shoot he drives when he's supposed to drive he does all the stuff he's supposed to do uh one person you didn't mention cody zeller is Mm. another one he's not like the rim protector sort of center that everybody wants the Hornets to have but he does a decent job defending the rim and then offensively uh he's third in the league in screen assists and points generated from screen assists so he's huge in freeing up Kimball Walker for those pull-ups and just kind of keeping the offense flowing um even if there isn't a lot of you know elite talent on that end of the floor yeah man we did talk about some of those stats from cody zeller and Mm -hmm. doug (laughs) can we find can we find his impact somewhere on the stat sheet i'm tired of his impact not being on the stat sheet. i I was worried that doug was going to explode about having cody zeller have some stats he does some really good things but you know he does all the things that don't show up on the stat sheet for you and doug that drives him crazy but i'm glad you mentioned Mm -hmm. him because as we kind of clown billy hernan gomez for his lack of defense Man, the only big man I feel comfortable out there on the floor, yes, and Cody. apparently Borrego, the only Bismack was inactive last night. The, the only big man that you see in the true sense of the big man word is Cody Zeller out there, and that's it. Like that's the only guy Borrego feels comfortable playing. Twenty eight minutes for him. All I'm saying is there are a lot of stats on the stat sheet. I think well, yeah, Cody, find one of those stats and fill that up. And then do all the other stuff, but also fill up some of the stats that are actually on the stat sheet. And we're coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in Uptown Charlotte. If you're in sales and need help, visit Gittimer.com today to learn how they can help you do the one thing you want to do, and that's make more sales. Points. The Houston Rockets 
set a record for most made threes in a game. Three-pointers! And you'll never guess who set the record for them. Stay tuned here. It's the Locked On Hornets podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. Assists! This is Locked On Hornets. So wait a minute. Do we value players that forget plays all of a sudden? I thought we were <laughs> we loved LeBron James because he remembered he could cite to you every single play from every game he's ever played in. Now all of a sudden, we like players who have no idea what happened on the previous play. I don't think you want him to play scared, right? It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. See, I'd been somewhat confused over Doug's take on Cody Zeller because... Speak for yourself. I'm still confused. (laughs) Yes, I I probably am a little bit. I always thought that Doug's angle was that stats in general were not technologically advanced enough to quantify what Cody Zeller was actually bringing you every single night to the floor. But what Doug is actually saying is that, hey, Cody, why don't you give us some of the traditional stats that we could have used even 10, 20, 30 years ago that we understand those numbers. You're saying it's on Cody, not the people who have come up with the stat. My criticism, yeah, let me allow, allow me to clarify. My criticism is mainly of Cody Zeller somehow avoiding the stat sheet every night because people keep saying that his contributions, his <laughs> impact, somehow avoided the stat sheet. And my criticism is also of people who say that because there are like 9 million stats and and DeLong division can back me up here. There's like 700 million stats and somehow Cody doesn't you know register on any of them. Which I thought, again, made it all more funny to me that there are 9 million stats and yet we still couldn't find stats that quantify just how good Cody Zeller just is. Just one. Just give me one stat, Borrego. Give me one stat, Dell. Give me Just quit saying it. <laughs> Or find the stats. DeLong, what you got for us, man? Do you have any more sound? Maybe not on Cody Zeller, but do you have anything else for us as some DeLong division that we can all crunch the numbers well, to? Well, I was, I was looking up Cody Zeller stuff because there is some stuff. Um, the Hornets are three points per 100 possessions better when he's on the court than when he's off, hmm. which has actually gone down a little bit. Take that but... for your stats, Doug. That's all right. That's fine. We jumped the gun. Proceed. Um, And then there's another one. I... I don't have the real plus minus in front of me and ESPN thing is terrible about navigating to it. Um, there he is. He, He's avoiding the stat sheet again, <laughs> making pages buffer and not load. That's Cody just flying under the radar all the time. It's ESPN's fault. Yeah, it is ESPN's fault for making it difficult to navigate. Um, let's see. He's the fifth uh, highest player impact plus minus on the Hornets behind Marvin Kimba, MKG and Jeremy Lamb. Wow. So, yeah, and it seems like if you were just to take your over, if you were to have zero stats to look at and you were to go to the most impactful players on the Charlotte Hornets this season, that's probably the list you're going with, right? Yes. I, I can't imagine that you're going anywhere else, putting in somebody else in that five. I'm probably putting that five. So it's a good stat to go to. Okay, but let me ask all of you this. Uh-oh. Would you rather have a Cody Zeller <laughs> who rates high on RPM and has a bunch of screen assists and has all of this impact that you can't find on the stat sheet? Or would you rather have a Cody Zeller who was night in and night out a double-double machine <laughs> and you could easily find his stats on the stat sheet? I just don't know. Why are we valuing a, or a player that you can't find his stats anywhere? 
because we, you know what, we had a guy that had a double double every night last night last mm. year. How'd that work out? That's true. That's true. See, I'm I'm down to do a little bit more digging for some of the stats that actually translate into wins rather than get the double double that Dwight Howard gives us. It's a good answer, Nana. There's your stats. Put that in your smipe and poke it. Take Here that we- for data. <laughs> in your smipe and poke it. All That's right. right. That's right. That's exactly where I went. The Houston Rockets. They hit 26 three pointers last night, and again. A former Charlotte Hornet was able to set the record for that team. It was Michael Carter-Williams. And Michael Carter-Williams shooting 25% from three-point range. I think he's only hit nine on the year, but he's only taken 26. So now MCW is actually taking the smart three-pointers, but able to hit them at somewhat of a decent rate. So MCW helping the Houston Rockets hit 26 three-pointers and set a record in the NBA. Now, let me rewind this for me now. i got to ask you a couple questions. Sure. So you're telling me that Michael Carter-Williams, the same Michael Carter-Williams that was known to airball a three at least once a game, that one was the one that hit the three to break a NBA record. It was. It was that same exact guy, one of the worst backup point guards that we've had, and we've had a couple of them. MCW was awful. Ramon Sessions was awful, and that's what Tony uh, yeah, yeah, Ramon Sessions the second time. The second time was awful. You're right. The second time he was bad. The first time, I mean, he wasn't all that great, but the second time. He was serviceable. He was fine, but the second time he was bad. But yeah, that guy, that guy actually contributing for the Houston Rockets right now. And so now Houston kind of on to a run here, at least with James Harden. Uh, and Houston is playing a little bit better here recently, but they'd been kind of a roller coaster team as well. So you look at what Houston's been able to do the last few games. They have now won five straight. And another team that I didn't mention yesterday that I wanted to, but a team that's on a six-game winning streak is now the Brooklyn Nets. So now the Hornets, not only do they have to worry about the Pistons, who are a half game up on the Hornets right now, but they have to worry about the Wizards, who are actually kind of on a downfall. But then here comes the Brooklyn Nets swimming all the way up and getting ready to strike. And now Brooklyn, after having a long losing streak, they're able to answer that with a six-game winning streak. So game Friday, important against Detroit to try to get that tiebreaker. And then you have back-to-back games against the Brooklyn Nets, I think just a couple of days after that. Okay, so I have a question for another question for you. Yeah, you're just chop full of them. What's uh, up? Yeah, I, I, look, I want to I want to get the information. From I only my have podcast. one question to say. <laughs> I, just, I have two questions to say. What's I, I, up? I got Nada? multiple questions. Let me answer for you. So, would you call Friday a must-win game? No, I'm not going to call it a must-win game. Why not? How can any because How can any early. Hornets game be a must-win game when? Where were you at the beginning of the season when Nada was saying like the tenth game of the year was a must-win game? Yes. Well, how could How could any of them be when they they continue to teeter totter? They haven't decided what direction they want this season to go in yet. It's too early. Like I understand the importance. We put importance on this game against Detroit. But I'm not going to say it's a must-win game. It's a must-win game. You are putting on your Stephen A. cap right now. Yes, and I trying am. Trying to go first take, no. trying to make this extremely hot. No, but this team, I think this team is going to, again, teeter-totter on the edge of destruction for this entire season. So the only must-win game will probably be the very last <laughs> game that, that could or could not put them into playoff contention. I was thinking about this watching the game against the New York Knicks. Like, how great is this team for just podcasters and sports radio? Because we do have to talk about this team from a lot of different angles on what you do with Kimba Walker. Do you have a tank job coming your way? They beat the Boston Celtics and the Bucks and the Denver Nuggets, but they lose to all the bottom dwellers of the Eastern Conference. Like, it is a roller coaster what you get with the Charlotte Hornets team. It's just fascinating to me that you have 
this kind of content coming from one team. It's perfect. It's perfect for sports radio. That's why Fridays must win. It is. Fridays must win. All right, let's end on a good note real quickly. Jonathan, do you have one more DeLong division bite for us here to end today's Locked on Hornets podcast? Yeah, I'll tell you why it's not a must win. All right, let's hear it. So uh, <laughs> both <laughs> both 538 and ESPN have their fancy algorithms for calculating like playoff odds and all that stuff. Um, both have the Hornets in like the same tier as the Pistons in the six seven spot. Um, Five thirty eight Hornets have a sixty six percent chance of making the playoffs. All right, ESPN has the Hornets with a eighty percent chance of making the playoffs. So even as we continue to teeter, the rest of the East below us is real bad. It is bad. So, <laughs> Curse you and your math, Delong. <laughs> See, that's the kind of stuff we need. Thanks again to Jonathan Delong from At the Hive joining us on today's Lockdown Hornets podcast. If you can find him, uh, you can find him. Excuse me, you can find him on Twitter. Yeah, at, he's not a Cody Zeller stat. No, you can no, find no, him. No, you can me. find him easily. It's at John Delong forty two. And again, you can follow him for all of his Delong division. Thank you, Jonathan, once again for joining us, man. No, thanks for having me. All right. We appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Lockdown Hornets here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Lockdown Hornets. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Lockdown Hornets. We'll be back with you on not Monday. We will not be here tomorrow, right? Are you and Nada going to be able to do a show? I'm going to be gone to Indy. Find out. Yeah, find out. Find out. And then we'll try to break down what we're going to do over the Christmas break. Again, it's the Lockdown Hornets podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Oh, I appreciate you having me. Good timing with the, the show, by the way. My headset's yelling at me that it's about to die. So, yeah. <laughs> you did kill it. Well, you, you did. No problem. See you guys.